Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's sermon. Before we get into it, you know, I get messages and emails and, and often run into people all over the country and literally around the world that God is using this ministry to impact their lives. And I believe that's you as well. God's using this word to sow into your life and to bear fruit in a really great way. And if that's you, I wanna encourage you to join us in our year-end offering called the Kingdom Builder Offering. This offering goes 100% to accelerating the vision of reaching people far from God so they'll become fully alive in Christ. And if you're a part of our extended online family, I wanna challenge you to be a part of that offering, to pray about what God would have you to do as a part of this family. And I just believe that as we all get together, we'll see God do something miraculous and we'll see the vision accelerated, people reached, lives changed, hope given into the lives of hopeless people. And so why don't you pray about what God would have you do and bring your very best offering to Him. You can do that online, you can do it through the app, but whatever way that you do it, I pray that you obey God in the process. And I'm confident of this. The Bible says that when we give, that God gives back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now let's go into today's message. Anybody here um, loves starting things? Come on, anybody loves starting things? I love starting things. I'm a big starter. I love to start things. Um, I love the start of football season. Come on, somebody. Um, all the Redskins fans, you don't, but that's okay. Um, I haven't done it all season. I had to get one in. Um, I love the start of the fall. Anybody love the start of the fall? I love that it's, it's finally here. You can have, you know, fire pits, shorts, and sweatshirts. That will be the weather of heaven. Um, I love the start of the fall. I love the start of a project. Um, uh, I love the start of a project. I, I love it when, as a church, we're building buildings. I love the beginning of a project. I'm at it every day, like watching them break the ground, pour the concrete. I just love the start. I love starting things. Um, I, I loved, I remember when Tammy and I started our relationship, right? The start of something is so exciting and so exhilarating. And, you know, come on, you're DMing for days. And you're like, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up, right? Like, you're just, I love the start of a relationship like that. That's so fun. I love the start of a new job. I remember every time I'd start a new job, I was like, I love the excitement. Some of you are like, no, that freaks me out. I don't like change. I just do. I love the start of a new job. I loved the start of our church. Yeah. Start of our church. That was an amazing time. I'm just telling you. Most all of you are not here, and I know that because there were only 50 people there. But I love the start of our church. Here's why I love the start of our church is I got to do everything. Like, I was on the greeter team. Um, I was on the usher team. I ushered people to their seats. Uh, I was on the setup and teardown team. I was in the trailer pulling out pipe and drape, setting up. I know how to run sound equipment, y'all. I can run some cables right now. All of our portable campuses, I feel you. Come on, let's thank God for all of our setup and teardown teams. Come on, every location that's portable. I feel you. I've done those jobs. I love the start of our church. I love the energy, like just the excitement. You would come in on a Sunday morning, there were just like a few handful of people. They were just like, you felt like you were building something great. Like you just knew there was something great down the road in the future. I just love the start of that. I love being in those moments. Um, I love that. I love completing things. Don't, don't think that. I love completing things too, but I love the start of something. And you may be here and you may think, well, I've never built anything or started anything, but I would, uh, I would actually think you're not right. <laughs> um, you've built friendships, so you've started that. There's a starting to the friendship. Um, you may be thinking, well, I haven't built an organization, I haven't built a church, but um, some of you are building marriages, 
And so you've been in the start of something and building something. Some of you are building a career. So you, you've, you've had that first day on the job where you're like, ah, is this going to work? This is exciting. I'm building a career. I think this is the career I'm supposed to have. At least some of you may be there. That's okay. Um, I'm building a career. Some of you are building a financial picture, right? Like, you, you may not think about it that way, but that's what you're doing if you're saving or if you're not. Either way, you're building a financial picture for your future. We're all building something. And here's what I know about all of us that are building something or all of us that start something. And that's everybody in the room. And, and even if you're here and you're like, I don't know if I believe in God or Christianity, it's completely fine. You're in the right place. But all of us have built something or are starting something. And here's what I know about that, whether it's a relationship or a career or finances or whatever it may be, here's what I know about all of us, no matter our background today, at every campus, online, on TV, wherever you're at, here's what I know about us. None of us get into it hoping that it becomes obligation or hoping that it becomes stale or, or hoping that it just becomes routine or none of us are at the altar going, you know, you're smiling at each other and you just, you really want the pastor to be done. I know that's my job. <laughs> Hurry up, buddy. Get us out of here. We got some business to take care of, right? Like I know what you're wanting. I'm fine with that. Um, and so yeah, that's what you want, but none of you are standing at the altar going, I really hope that one day we feel like roommates. No, nobody does that. Nobody starts there. No, nobody starts out building a career going, I can't wait for the day that I hate my job so much, but I'm in it so far that all I do is count down till retirement. None of us start that way. Some of us end up that way, and some of us today, that's how we feel about our careers, how we feel about our marriage. Uh, so some of you today, you, you, don't, you don't start out into your academic pursuits going, this is, I, I, I can't wait to fail. Like, like none of us do that. We, we, don't, we don't do that. We start out with, with words like passion would describe it. We, we start out with words like tenacity. We start out with words like hopefulness and excitement and exhilaration. And, and we start out with like pictures, right? We start out, not I'm talking about photograph pictures, you may, but I'm talking about like pictures of the future. Like we picture in our mind, like, like one day we're gonna be, you know, like picnics in the park. And, you know, are we picture like one day I'm gonna be the boss or I'm gonna own the company or I'm gonna start my own. Like none of us start out thinking I want to start something, and I want to build it to the place that I don't like it. However, a lot of us end up there. And I would say the same thing is true with our faith. That none of us encounter Jesus and go, I really hope this turns into a religious exercise for me. Matter of fact, I want to do a little exercise at every location, every campus, a little exercise, and, uh, and just play along with me, okay? I want everybody to close their eyes. Don't worry, no one's stealing anything from you. Some of you are like, I'm getting my purse around my ankle before I close my eyes. I don't know who's up in this church. Just, just uh, close your eyes. And, and I want you to think about the moment you really encountered the love of God. Now, maybe you're here and you're thinking, I, I, don't, I don't know that I've encountered that. I would just say before today's ending, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. And today will be the day that you remember forever. But... But for those who have, remember that moment. Remember the moment when you realized that all of your sins were forgiven. Come on, everybody just play along. Eyes closed. You just, just think back to that for a moment. Think back to, to the emotion of the moment. Think back to where you were. Maybe it was in a service. 
Maybe it was during a worship moment. Maybe it was something in a message. Maybe it was alone in your car and you had hit rock bottom and you cried out to God and he met you there. Maybe you were going through some pain in your life and you thought, I'll give Jesus a try and he's proved more than faithful. Go to that moment for a moment. All right, look up at Hermé. Here's what I know about everyone that could think back to that moment. At that moment, none of you thought, ah, I kind of hope this just becomes another box I have to check. I hope this comes some hoops I have to jump through. I think in that moment you really felt like this is changing my life. And, and you, you had this like excitement. And if I had to guess that maybe adjectives like passion, like love, like forgiveness, like mercy, like grace, like overwhelmed, like maybe these would be adjectives that described like that moment when you encountered Jesus and you felt the love of God in a really powerful way. Not religion, not rules, not some hoops I've got to jump through, not some classes I got to go to, but you encountered this love of God, this transforming, changing love of God in a powerful way. By the way, if you want to know what the gospel is, it's the gospel of change. It's the gospel of, of this is what you are and I can make you into something completely different. And I'm sure at that moment it was like, ah, let's go, you know, like let's charge the hill, let's go take the thing. And in the text that we want to look at today, I want to show you, I believe this is where this group of people we're going to look at are. They're in this moment, I think, where they're just like, ah, they got big vision, they got excitement, they got passion, all those things you had at the beginning. They've got in this moment. I want to read it to you in 2 Kings chapter 6. The Bible says this, and um, this is talking about Elisha. He is a prophet of God, just to give you a little context. And he has, um, he's the successor to a guy named Elijah. So don't get those two confirmed. Elijah with a J, um, Elisha with a S-H, right? And so um, Elisha was his, Elijah's like, um, disciple. It was his who he was being groomed to, to succeed him. And whenever he left the scene, Elisha said this. He said, what can I give you? He said, I want a double portion of your anointing. Um, and so God allowed that to happen. And, and this is how I know it is that Elisha did twice the amount of miracles that Elijah did. And so he got double, exactly a double portion. I just think that goes to show you that if you'll ask God for things, you'll be surprised what he'll give you. I think sometimes we pray small prayers thinking God can't do it, but maybe you, should, maybe you should turn that. That was free. It's not in the notes. God bless you. Um, so chapter 6 of 2 Kings, verse 1, it says this, The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Now time out real quick. The company of the prophets means this. Elisha had his own LifePoint College. Come on, somebody. Right? <laughs> You need to be in LifePoint College. It's the will of God for your life. But it really was, that's what it was. It was like, it was this training place for prophets. And, um, and so Elisha had opened this up, and um, I really think this is probably leftover from Elijah's, that he took leadership of it when Elijah was in there. Um, but we don't have any conclusive evidence, but that's my thought. And they were meeting somewhere, and evidently this group was growing. And so they said to him, look, the place where we meet is too small for us. And so we've got a problem. And can I tell you something? Great vision is always birthed out of a problem. 
The, the, the passions in your life are always birthed out of a problem. Let me tell you something real quick. Here's how you can begin to figure out what you were put on the planet for, is what is the thing that bothers you the most? Like some of you walk into to your campus and you see every little thing that's out of place. And it bothers you. You know why? Because God's put you on the planet to be the solution to that. Some of you walk in and, and other things bother you. I walk into a room and things bother me that don't bother my wife. You know why? Because we were put on the planet with two different sets of gifts. And so your gift is always amplified when you see the problem because your gift is the solution to the problem. And so these prophets see a problem and it bursts a vision within them. And this is the vision they say to him in verse two. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to live. And so he said, go. Somebody shout, go. go. So they had a problem, and they said, let us go to the Jordan. There's some poles, and we're going to build a bigger place. And Elijah, Elisha says, we'll go. I love this. I'm going to keep reading. He says, then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them, and they went to the Jordan, and they began to cut down trees. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this, as someone who likes to start something, I just kind of hear it in the text, right? Like, we've, we've been talking about this, Elisha. We've been having meetings about this. We've been like, this place is too small. We need a bigger place. We need something more, and we got a plan. We're gonna go, we've already scoped it out. The Jordan's got some poles. We're going to go down. Everybody's going to have an ax. We're going to cut down some poles. We're going to build us a bigger place. Come on, somebody. Let's go do it. Let's go get it. Let's go reach some people, right? I love that, that tenacity to that fire, and Elisha's like, Go! You know what I mean? I don't think it was like, well, go, everybody. I think he was like, you know how passion, like, catches, like, fire catches? Like, so when someone's passionate, you're kind of, like, they can be sharing something with you, and you can be like, you can kind of be like, not really into it, but if they get fired up enough, you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, like, we should do that. And you're like, what am I saying? Wait, how did that happen? Right? Because fire catches, Right, fire catches. When you're on fire, it'll like spread. It spreads to other people. And I just kind of imagine this is what's happening in the conversation, that they're like, Elijah, we're out of space. We need a bigger space. And the Jordan's got poles. We go down to the poles, and he's like, all right, let's go. Go. They're running out of the locker room, tapping the sign. New poles, new poles. You know what I mean? I don't don't know. I don't know where that came from. I just kind of picture that's what's taking place here in the text. And then, um, then they say, will you come with us? And he's like, of course I'm going to go with you. I'm fired up now, right? It's <laughs> like fired up. Remember um, when it was that way in your marriage? Remember there was just, just love, so much grace for the things that aggravated you, so much commitment, like, we're ride or die, we're to the end, BFF, you're my friend, my lover, ain't nobody like you. Remember that? Remember, remember when you were so passionate about the job that you had, like, you're like, I'm, I'm made to do this. Let me ask you this. Remember when following Jesus was like that? Remember, remember when, remember when, like, if the Bible said it, that was enough for you? If God said go, you were like, sure, where? Remember when serving wasn't a burden? Because you couldn't wait to show up because of what Jesus had done in your life? Remember when it was just like, I don't need a meeting. I don't need to figure out if it fits in my schedule. I don't need to figure out if I can afford it to give. I don't, I don't need to figure out. I don't, I don't need none of that. If, 
If there's poles at the Jordan, let's go down to the Jordan. Remember, it was like, God, I just want to, remember when like, you, you, you were even annoying the people you invited them to church so much, but you just wouldn't give up on inviting them because you love them and you love Jesus and you love the gospel. Remember when, remember when it was like that? Remember that was the moment? Remember when, when you cared that much? This is where they are. So like, let's go, and so they go. I love this, and, and it says in verse 5, it says, as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, my Lord, he cried out, it was borrowed. <laughs> it was borrowed. I was reading um, in the original language on this and the Greek. Um, there's another option for the meaning of the word borrowed, and it's the word it was um, asked for. Which, which you, to borrow something, you gotta ask for it. I get that. Um, but there's an even deeper uh, emphasis which can give the idea that it was begged for. See, here's my concern for some of you today. Is that you're still swinging a handle that has no axe head on it. That you're still going through motions and wondering why the tree isn't falling, it's because you've lost your edge. See, success isn't about how you start, it's about what you sustain. It's not about how great you get out of the gate, it's not about the I do, it's not about the wedding, it's not about I'm all in Jesus, it's about what about a year later, two years later, three years later, five years later. It's not what you start, it's what you sustain that makes all the difference in your life. And this man had lost his accent, he'd lost his edge. And my concern is that some of you are swinging and you wonder why in the marriage getting better, we're trying harder than we ever had, it's because you've lost your edge. And you wonder why you're swinging in your career and you can't get anywhere and it's because you've lost your edge. And you wonder why you come to church and you're swinging and you're serving and maybe you're going through the motions and you're in a small group and you're giving and it doesn't seem to impact anything on the inside of you. I would just propose that maybe the ax head has fallen off and you don't even know it. And here's what some of us do. We've lost our edge, so we call it maturity. Oh, I'm, I've, I've matured. I've, I've matured beyond lifting my hands and going after God in worship. Oh, I've, I've matured past serving others. I've matured past holding a door and shaking a hand. I've, I've matured past uh, holding babies. I've matured past uh, leading a small group for third grade boys. I've graduated in a new level. Of, I'm more sophisticated now than I was. I would say you're not mature. You're not sophisticated. You've lost your ax head. You've lost your edge. Well, when we were young and in love, we acted like that, and it was silly and nice, and, but now we're more mature in our relationship, and so you mean to tell me maturity equals no passion? Maturity equals no intimacy? Maturity equals conflict? I thought when you mature, it just got better and better. My passion should get stronger and stronger. My love for Jesus should get greater and greater. My sacrifice should go higher and higher. My surrender should be greater and greater. If I'm growing, I'm getting better but I can't call losing my edge maturity I can't call it sophistication I've got to call it what it is I've lost my edge 
And I'm concerned some of you are swinging a handle in so many areas of your life, and there's no movement. It's because you've lost your edge. And I want to I propose to you maybe some ways that, that you, how to know if you have lost your edge. And um, if you can't tell, you may want to buckle the seatbelt a little tighter this morning. Number one, you ought to write these down. Number one, you're working harder and seeing fewer results. If that's the case, you've lost your edge. You're, you're working harder in your marriage and seeing fewer results. You're working harder in your friendships and seeing fewer results. You're working harder in your career. You're, you're working harder to try to be who God wants you to be and you're seeing fewer results. You've probably lost your edge. Number two, where you once found joy you now see obligation. Uh, let me say it this way. What once was worship has now become work to you. What once was joy is now like, do I really have to do that? And number three, the lack of life no longer alarms you. You've lost your edge. The, the, lack, the fact that that your relationship with God is in the state that it's in no longer alarms you, lets you know you lost your edge. The fact that you are struggling with the things you're struggling with and don't seem to make any movement and it doesn't alarm you, you're just kind of like, ah, well, this is kind of how life is. I would think that'd be an indicator you've lost, you've lost your edge. And number four, um, you show up but are not present. I think... I'm just going to go for it, right? I think there's a lot of Christian zombies. There's a lot of undead claiming the name of Christ, walking around, going through the motions. Three songs, then we sit down. Then he's going to get up. He's going to make us sing it 12 more times. Then he's going to say high five, everybody. And then... <laughs> And then he's going to preach, and he's going to scream and spit and yell. Then they're going to tell us to give at the end. Then I'll come back next week and do it again. And you are here, but you are not present. Well, I committed. They really need me, so I'll show up, and I'll, I'll sit with the preschoolers. And uh, Well, they really need me, so I'll come to set up. Yeah, I'll haul that trailer. And, and you're showing up, but you're not present. I get home from work, and yeah, I go to the same house, and the kids call me dad. I'm there, but I'm not present. You've lost your edge. I go to the job, and I do the minimum, do the bare minimum, which I'm just telling you that doesn't honor God. Well, you don't know my boss. Well, you, the Bible says you're not working unto man, you're working as unto God. So it doesn't matter who your boss is. But you're present. You're showing up, but you're not present. And you've lost your edge. And here's what I know about it. It's a slow fade. Because no one starts something and goes, I hope it gets to that point one day. And so we don't plan it to get to that point. We don't strategize to get to that point. It's just a slow fade, little by little, day by day, moment by moment, letting up in a little way, little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit, and then we wake up one day and go, I'm swinging a handle with no ax head. And I just want to encourage you, it doesn't have to be that way. 
I think those are some ways. Let me give you a few more things on how, um, what can cause you. I think that's how you know if you've lost it, but what can cause you to lose it? Are you still with me? Everybody, every campus? Number one is um, you lose your why. Uh, there's an old saying that goes this way. I don't know who said it first, or I'd give them credit. Um, and from now on, I'll take the credit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Number one is this, when you lose your why, you'll lose your way. And it's so true. When you forget why you got into it, when, when, you, when you forget the why behind your faith, you'll lose your way. When you, when you forget why you love Jesus so much, why you wanted to serve, you wanted to give, you wanted to be in community, you wanted to take steps forward in your walk with God. When you forget your why, you'll forget your way. When you forget the why of why you got into the friendship, it's easy to let it go. When you forget the why of why you're doing the thing that God called you to do, the why of your marriage, the why of your fine, the why, fill in the blank. It can be anything in your life. When you forget the why, you'll forget your way. Forget your way. Number two is I think we lose it because we focus on the wrong things. We focus on the wrong things. It's not focus that's the problem, I don't think. I think we focus on the wrong things. Because all of us are focusing on something, whether you want to admit it or not, all of us are focusing on something. It's just what are you focusing on? You, you can focus on the things that annoy you about your spouse, or you can focus on the things that you fell in love with. It's all about what you're gonna focus on. You, you can focus on all the things that, that you don't like about serving, or you can focus on the opportunity to change somebody's life and make a difference in the world around you. It's just what you're gonna, it's just what you're gonna focus on. You can focus on what you love about your friends, or you can focus on what drives you crazy about your friends, and you'll find yourself alone. It's just what you're gonna focus on. I think we lose our edge because we focus on the wrong things. Let me give you a newsflash. Nobody's perfect. No church is perfect. No work environment is perfect. Nowhere's perfect. You've got to determine in the middle of imperfection, what am I going to focus on? Am I going to focus on the good things? Am I going to focus on the great qualities? Am I going to focus on the, or am I going to focus on all the negative? You just, you have a determination to make. What am I going to focus on? If you're with me, say amen every campus. Number three, this may sound weird to you. Here's what I think can cause you to lose your edge. The blessings of God. He begged for the handle and the axe head. And once he got it in his hand, then he lost it. See, here's what I know about the blessing of God. The blessing of God can become the very thing that causes you to lose your edge. And here's why. Because when you're desperate, God, do this. God, move in my life. God, fix this. God, I need you. You realize your desperation for God. Then God responds to your prayer, and he blesses you in an amazing way. And so you, now you're holding the blessing of God, and all of a sudden, desperation leaves your heart. And so the blessing of God actually becomes the thing that keeps you less desperate for God. And so because you got blessed, now you've lost your edge. If you would reverse back and, and remember the moments where you were like, God, if you don't come through, then I'm through. If you don't move in this situation, then I'm going to be messed up in this situation. Go back to that moment and remember that desperation in your heart. Because here's the deal. We get comfortable, and God provides, and God opens the doors, and then everything, and then we're like, look where I got myself. And you'll lose your edge. 
you'll lose your edge. You know how athletes lose their edge? They stop competing. They stop looking at the next thing, going, comparing, going, where am I? They stop driving. They stop wanting more, hungry for more, desperate for more. And you lose your edge, and the blessing of God can become the very thing that keeps you from having your sharpness. Number four is a loss of urgency in your life. I want to dial this one in to your relationship with God. Um, really applies to everybody. I really want to dial it into your faith. Time is short. Time's really short. It's too short for you to play games with church, with Jesus. And the reality of eternity is a very long time. And some of you heard the announcements about at the movies and you're like, oh, cool. I think maybe we'll hit a week or two of that. You've lost your edge. Because when you hear something like that, something inside you, if you got your edge, should make you go, I'm going to get them to come and, and Susie, and I'm going to get them to come, and I got that friend, and I need to text that friend, and then that person at work, and then that, my, who I get my coffee from every morning, I need to invite them. I need to make, where are the invite cards? Are they going to tell us where the invite cards are? Because I need to make sure I get a handful of invite cards so that I can go. In. When you got your edge, that's how you think about, because eternity is a long time, and heaven and hell are real places, and there is an urgency. There should be an urgency within us. I don't care how big we get. I don't care how many cameras campuses we get, there should remain an urgency on the inside of us that goes, we care about people that are far from God, and we care about the gospel, and we care about reaching the lost, and there is an urgency. God, don't ever let me lose my axe head. Don't ever let me lose my axe head when it comes to loving people and reaching people. But we lose our sense of urgency about us. And this man lost his axe head, and isn't it interesting, the thing he begged for, he lost. And I want to show you that the way you get it back is the way he got it originally, which is he begged for it. Verse 6 and 7 says this. It says, the man of God asked him. So Elijah asked him, where did it fall? I'm asking you this way today, where did you lose it? Where did you lose it? When he showed him the place, so you know what this tells me? It tells me that the man could take Elijah back to the place where he lost it. You've got to figure out, where did I lose it? Where did I lose it in my pursuit of Jesus? Where did I lose it in my friendships? Where did I lose it in my love for what my job is, what you called me to? Where did I lose it in my marriage? Where did I, whatever the fill in the blank is, where did I, you've got to be able to trace back and go, I know exactly where I lost it. He took him to the place. And Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. And then he said this in verse seven, lift it out. So the man of God had a responsibility, but the young prophet had a responsibility. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Elisha had to be involved for the miracle to happen. The man had to be involved to get his ax head back. Here's what I want to show you. It's going to blow your mind. Iron doesn't float. Some of you are like, oh, that's good. <laughs> Here's what I mean by that. You can't get your axe head back on your own. 
because you can't make iron float. Only God can do that. Only God can cause passion to be renewed in your heart. This isn't, I'm going to do better. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to turn over a new leaf, do a little early before January. I'm going to get it in in October. No. He begged for the accent. I'm going to do better in my finance. I'm going to do better in my relationships. I'm going to do better. No. This is a work of God in your life. You need God to rekindle the fire in your heart. Only God can do that. Because only God started it in you. Only God can renew the passion in your marriage, the passion in your friendships, the passion for whatever area of life it is. Only God can do it. You've got to know where you lost it. And when you get to that place, only God can make the iron float. So here's my challenge to you today. My question is, where did you lose it? Where did you lose your passion? Where did you lose your love for God? Where, where did you lose it that you wanted your campus to reach every person within driving distance? Where did you lose that? Where'd you lose it that you couldn't wait to serve? It was a joy. Where'd you lose it that you couldn't wait to give? It was a joy, it was an obligation. It was in response to the great love of God in your life. Where, where did you lose it? Where'd you lose your edge? Where'd your ax head fall down? Wherever it is, go back and get it. Go back to that place and cry out to God today and say, God, will you make the iron float? God, can you please make the iron float because I want it back. I want my passion back. I want my fire back. I want my love back. I want the tenacity back. I want it back like it was in the beginning where I couldn't wait, where it was all out, sold out. God, whatever you want from me, God, whatever you want for me, go back to that place and get it back today because it matters that you have your edge because if you don't chop down your pole, then others suffer. You suffer. Generations suffer if you lose your edge. So today, would you beg God to give it back to you? Would you ask him, will you make the iron float one more time? And when he does, you hang on to it for dear life. If you found today's message helpful, feel free to rate, review, or even share it with a friend. Also wanna encourage you to think about partnering with us, you know, together through your giving, we can take this message around the world and make a difference in the lives of so many people. Thanks again for joining us today. If you would like to partner with us, you can do so by clicking the link in the description, visiting lifepoint.org give, or via text messaging on your mobile device. Just text the dollar amount of your gift and keyword LifePoint to 45777. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart.